2 Kings chapter number 2, 2 Kings chapter number 2. I'm aware of what time it is, 11.30. I'll speak real fast. You listen fast, and I'll, I'll do my best uh, to, uh, uh, to deliver what God has put on our heart to do. I would ask you to pray for us. Uh, be getting on the road here in just a little while. Uh, going to be preaching camp meeting in Virginia uh, this week. Uh, the first part of this week, we'll be back home Wednesday evening uh, for service here. Uh, but uh, the next few nights, we're going to be in Virginia. Uh, next week, we'll be uh, traveling again, be in Water Valley, Kentucky for camp meeting. And then uh, we come home for the weekend. Then we go uh, to the nation of Armenia. And uh, we're believing and trusting God uh, for, for these travels and these meetings. So we would ask you to pray for us that God would uh, give us uh, wisdom as well as give us uh, just the direction of what he would have for us in this season. Amen. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand with me for the reading of the word. Familiar passage of scripture probably for many of you. Uh, but I pray that don't turn you off this morning. Uh, but I'm going to take us on a journey if the Lord would help me today. Second Kings chapter number 2 beginning in verse number 8. We're going to pick this up in the middle of this uh, event that's taking place. And it says, And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it come to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from you. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto you. But if not, it shall not be so. And it come to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire, and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He then proceeded, and he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, and smote the waters, and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over." Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for your people. We thank you for your presence during worship today. Lord, I pray that over the next few moments you would guide my speech. Let me not speak my opinion, but Father, let me preach your word as you have brought revelation to me concerning this today. Lord, I pray that you would receive all the glory, all the honor. Let us uh, be have ears to hear and hearts to receive this morning. And the church says, Amen. And amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. If the Lord would help me, I want to talk to you today about the fallen mantles. The fallen mantles. I believe it's important for us to understand today that we currently are in a place where lots of things are changing. I was going through a list of just events that was happening this last few hours, these last 48 hours per se, lots of things has changed. There is such prophetic movement, there is such movement in the world that it's really hard to keep up with what is developing because it's developing so quickly. Let me give you just a real quick glimpse of what's going on in the nations of the world today. Israel has been tested daily. 
Every day, rockets are flying into her, and she's having to defend herself. Iran is shaking from within. As much as they try to flex their muscles, they today are in a place, today is actually the 10th day that they are experiencing a major uprising from amongst them. Most of them are young men and women that have got this itch for freedom, and they are now facing, and this feels different than any other uprising that they've had, but for 10 days, they have been nonstop pursuing in over 140 cities. This morning, they are standing on the side of right because of a 23-year-old lady that was arrested by the police in that nation, and they arrested her because that she had her shawl too loosely over her face. Uh, somehow, they're saying she had a heart attack uh, in their custody, but we know the truth this morning. She was abused. She was tortured because uh, she was standing on the side of freedom and right. Uh, but therefore, there was something moving in Iran. Not only is this happening, uh, but the largest and the fastest growing church in the, in the world is in Iran today. Uh, we find that North Korea, in the midst of all of the vacuums of leadership uh, across the globe, that they are flexing their muscles. In the last 48 hours, they began to fire missiles uh, into the waters, uh, even while our ships was making their entrance into that region. Uh, China today has been challenged by its own uh, as it's trying to show its dominance across the world. Uh, but China right now, there is a military operation. Nobody really knows much about what's going on as of yet, but they are talking about that there is a coup to overthrow their current president. If that takes place, God help us because we don't know what will that look like when it happens. Uh, Russia today uh, is crumbling in many aspects because it engaged itself into something uh, that they thought they could prematurely do uh, according to scripture. Can I tell you, evil uh, is always trying to get ahead of its time. Uh, and when Russia began to invade Ukraine, and we got Brother Carl back home safe and sound, praise the Lord, in the house today with us. And, uh, and, uh, but he's been in Ukraine for the last five months, and he's home, and we're believing God to heal him. He had a military round go off right beside him and, and it's only by God's grace that he's here this morning uh, but he heard God say go so he went uh, and he touched a lot of lives and we'll talk about that maybe in the future a little bit more uh, but Russia uh, it, it was uh, experiencing unexpected resistance and therefore uh, we find that it is affecting that whole region as well as the world uh, Finland in the last several hours has closed its borders because uh, of the behavior of Russia because Russia is saying we've got to have more soldiers. Uh, therefore, they began to talk about implementing the draft. And they said, we're going to make sure our people safe. Uh, you're not coming to get our boys. Uh, we find that Ukraine uh, has been very resilient. Uh, but there is an undercurrent in Ukraine that is not all banned. Uh, but there is a church that is awakening. Uh, and they're standing and they're praying and they're seeking God for direction. Uh, Turkey, uh, it, is, uh, it is advancing uh, its agenda. We know this, that Turkey uh, is very uh, sly in what it's doing. But it is financing smaller nations uh, to do its dirty work forward, and it's unsettling the whole region. Uh, Italy is causing a stir in the last 24 hours uh, throughout an election process where they're getting ready for the first time uh, to, uh, it looks like, uh, elect a lady as prime minister, and she is a very conservative person. Uh, can I tell you, God still has people everywhere. Uh, we also find that in the United States, it's overwhelming right now at our borders. Most of you are aware aware of this. Uh, however, violence is growing. Uh, killings are increasing. We find today that division uh, has been promoted while unity has been uh, scoffed at. Uh, we find that Christians are being attacked on every hand. Uh, our land is burning in many places. Uh, drought is not something in the far future, but it's something that is present now. Uh, food shortages is not something that we can just brush aside, but it's something that is very real in many aspects of our world 
world today. Uh, but can I tell you, this is not all doom and gloom because in the midst of everything that's going on, uh, there is something that's taking place uh, in the earth. Uh, last week, there was a ministry uh, that had a, a, a camera uh, set up here in the United States and they began to preach the gospel. 40,000 people came out uh, from 35 different villages. Uh, 40,000 people came and stood in an open air meeting and watched a big screen. Uh, out of 40,000, 26,800 and some odd people gave their life to Jesus in that meeting. Uh, 1,100, uh, a little over 1,100 was baptized in the power of the Holy Ghost. Uh, 3,000 was miraculously healed. Uh, why am I saying this? Uh, it's because uh, we have to remember something. Uh, God is still in control and he still has a plan. Uh, so it doesn't matter how dark it may appear. It doesn't matter how dark it may seem. Uh, we and I, we have to come back to a place where we realize uh, that there is power on the earth uh, that does not come from man, but it comes uh, from the heavenlies. Uh, I want to make this statement to you this morning. Uh, I believe it's important for us to understand that the anointing of God never leaves the earth. Hear me. With that being said, I believe that we have entered into, however, a new prophetic season. There has something been birthed. Uh, and right now, we find ourselves uh, in a day of transfer. And I want to talk about it a little bit this morning. Uh, if something is transferred, it means this. Uh, something is moved from one place, our person, to another. Uh, meaning this, such as if you're going to sell a vehicle today, uh, you'll sign the back of that title and you'll transfer that uh, and the person that bought it uh, they'll put their name under yours and that is a transfer of ownership uh, the same thing happens in a real estate transaction so we are aware of what a transfer is uh, but however in order for us to see uh, the depths of our text today uh, we must revisit the whole story uh, that we grabbed a hold of this morning so very quickly I want to jump through it with you uh, if there is a day of transfer that's present, uh, then it means this, uh, that the day of taking possession uh, has arrived. Uh, so this morning, I'm going to try to encourage you uh, before we get out of here this morning. Uh, however, uh, when you and I began to look at this story, most of us are somewhat familiar with it. Uh, if you was to start in chapter 2 and verse number 1, uh, we know that the Lord was getting ready to take Elijah up into the heavenlies. Uh, but before we get there, we have to go back a little further. Uh, we go back uh, and we find that Elijah, the prophet of God, finds himself uh, receiving a message from Jezebel. How many knows there's a spirit of Jezebel on the earth today? Uh, can I tell you? Uh, he received this message. Uh, Jezebel is the wife of the king, uh, which struck him with fear. Uh, and we find that you can read of this account in 1 Kings chapter number 19. I'm not going to read all of it this morning, uh, but we're going to visit that chapter and we're going to skim through it. Uh, we find it says in verse 3 that he arose and he went for his life. Uh, he had just had a great victory. He had just experienced fire falling down from heaven, uh, consuming the altar that he had built. He had just slew uh, the prophets of Baal, the prophets of the grove. Uh, we find that a great victory uh, was won uh, on Mount Carmel. But all of a sudden he received a message. And the message was uh, that which you have done to the prophets of Baal about this time tomorrow, is going to happen to you. Uh, it struck fear in his heart. Uh, and we know this. He went a day's journey into the wilderness uh, and he found himself sitting under juniper tree. Uh, and it was so weighty at this moment in his life uh, that he requested for himself that he might die. Uh, and notice what he said in verse 4 of chapter number 19. Uh, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came, sat down under the juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. Uh, it is in this place of great anguish uh, that God begins to reveal to Elijah that it is not as it appears. Uh, has anybody ever felt like the prophet and just said, uh, it's enough? Uh, you ever felt like, I just can't do anymore? It's just too weighty. It's just too heavy. I, I just don't know how we're going to get there from where we are right now. 
now. Uh, I think all of us have felt the weight in some manner. But may I remind you, uh, it is in times such as these uh, that God is faithful. Tell your neighbor this morning, uh, he's faithful. I think you need to wake him up. Y'all a little quiet today. Uh, and we find this uh, in verse number 9 of that same chapter. Notice it says, and he came thither unto a cave. But before he did that, uh, we know this. While he was sitting under the juniper tree uh, and he began to fall asleep, the angel of the Lord comes and wakes him up and says, here, you need to eat and drink. Uh, and then he wakes him up again said no listen you got to get ready uh, you got to begin to eat and drink because uh, you're getting ready to go on a journey and we find that it was a 40 day journey uh, he said you're going to go in the strength of this thing uh, and we find that as he finds himself at a cave uh, in verse number 9 uh, that he lodged there and behold the word of the Lord came to him uh, and he said what doest thou here Elijah and he said I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts uh, for the children of Israel have forsaken forsaken thy covenants, throw down thy altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. How many's ever felt like you're the only one left? Amen. There's times that you just feel like you're alone. Uh, but it's in times like these that God begins to unveil his purpose. Uh, notice with me, uh, in verses 11 through 18, we find that the Lord begins to pay him a visit. Uh, he wasn't in the quaking. Uh, he wasn't in the strong wind. But there was a still, small voice. Uh, and it was so that when Elijah heard it, in verse number 13, uh, that he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and stood in the entering end of the cave. Uh, and as he was there and the Lord said to him uh, he said I want you to understand uh, that you're not finished yet uh, I've got an assignment for you uh, in verse number 15 we know what that assignment is uh, he says I want you to go I want you to return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus, Damascus and when you are come there I want you to anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. I want you to anoint Jehu to be the king over Israel. Uh, but then there's one by the name of Elisha. I want you to go anoint him uh, to be uh, a prophet in your room. Uh, and then he says, oh, by the way, uh, you're not the only one left. There's 7,000 that has not yet bowed their knee. Uh, so we see in this moment that God gave Elijah not only a revelation uh, concerning the 7,000 who was still standing on the side of right, uh, but he also gave him a charge to equip others. Uh, we find that we see that he begins to respond uh, in obedience uh, to the word of the Lord. Verse number 19, uh, it says, so he departed thence and he found Elisha. And when he found him, notice what happens. Uh, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12th. And Elijah passed by him, and he cast his mantle upon him, and he left the oxen, and he ran after Elijah, and he said, let me, I pray thee, kiss my my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said unto him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slew them and boiled their flesh with the instruments of the oxen and gave unto the people, and they did eat. And then he arose and went after Elijah and ministered unto him. His obedience caused the next generation to respond uh, to an anointing. A young farm boy was unaware of what was getting ready to take place, uh, but when he felt the covering of the mantle, uh, he was captivated by the anointing. Uh, what caused him to be satisfied with his current position? Uh, now we go from 1 Kings chapter 19 to 2 Kings chapter number 2. Uh, it is believed to be a a period of 10 years. Uh, I'm just laying a foundation this morning. Stay with me. Uh, Elisha left everything he knew to walk with a man that he did not really know or was connected to until that moment. Uh, and for years, uh, he began to witness the power and the anointing of God. Now, he begins after seeing this for some time. Elisha begins to have a desire. He began to have something earning, uh, yearning inside of him. Uh, and we see that uh, that which he saw in operation, uh, he began to desire to possess. Uh, I have a question this morning. Uh, could it be that there isn't much desire in the house of the Lord in America from certain generations uh, because 
because this generation hasn't saw the spirit in operation. Listen, we have done really good at talking a good game. We have told a generation of how it used to be. We have talked about weeks of revival meetings. We have talked about healings that have taken place. We've talked about miracles of days gone by, but we have never positioned them to see it or to feel the covering of the mantle for themselves. But can I tell you, after 10 years of not just hearing about it, but seeing and witnessing it firsthand, there was an Elisha that said, I want what he has. Can I tell you, as a young boy of five, six, seven years old, that only knew one chord on a guitar, that sat on the platform at the 25th Street Church, I can remember men and women that impacted my life, not because they was telling me a story, but because I saw the gift of the Holy Ghost in operation in their life. Yeah, maybe they wasn't polished. Maybe they wasn't sophisticated. It Listen, but they was men and women of God that had a commitment to the things of God, and they began to touch a heart of a young boy that they didn't even notice really that was there, but it began at an early age to give birth to something in my spirit. Even when I was out in the world doing wrong, there was only a certain place that I would go to and wouldn't go any further because there was something in my spirit that said, you know you're not one of them. You know you're different. You know there's a call in your life. Somebody know what I'm talking about this morning? That would have never been there. That buffer would have never been there if it had not been for me seeing something in operation. Can I tell you, the reason there is such gross darknesses today is because if we're not careful, all we're doing is giving them a story, but we're not giving them any evidence that the story that we're giving them is true. But I come to tell somebody this morning uh, that there is still a God that saves. Uh, there's still a God that delivers. Uh, there's still a God that sets free. Uh, and I'm not just telling you that because I heard it, uh, but because I've seen it. Uh, I've seen him touch blinded eyes. Uh, I've seen him touch hearts that was broken. Uh, I've seen him do some extraordinary things uh, when a baby is not living. Uh, but all of a sudden, can I tell you, uh, we've got to get back to where this world knows that he's real. Hear me this morning. Elisha, because he didn't just hear, but he began to witness, he began a process in his spirit, in his inner man that began to be molded. And now 10 years into this journey, we see something changes. Can I tell you something has changed? On this particular morning, the sun came up like it had every day for 10 years. But when you get to chapter 2, something's different. Notice with me, Elijah on this morning heard God calling him. Elijah, you need to come to Bethel. Elijah, you need to come to Bethel. He'd been to Bethel before, but it was different. And as he began to call to him to come to Bethel, Elijah goes over to Elisha and he says, Elisha, you just stay here. Just tarry here. The Lord's calling me to Bethel. But see, not only did Elijah know something was different that day in his spirit, but Elisha knew something was different that day in the spirit. Because Elisha says, hold up just for a moment. Because... I hear what you're saying, but as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave you. So notice what happens. The next line says, so they went to Bethel. Let me remind you that the name Bethel simply means the house of God. So on this morning, the sun is up. Elijah and Elisha, they began to walk. They'd walked together before, but it was different. Something was happening. They walked down to Bethel, and Elisha knew something was different. And I believe not only did he feel it in his inner being, but he began to feel it in the atmosphere. And he was getting ready to get confirmation of what he was experiencing when they got to Bethel. How many knows there's always confirmation at the house of God? 
That's why we can't forsake assembling ourselves together. There's confirmation at the house of God. He got down to Bethel, and there was 50 of the sons of the prophets that met him there, ran up to him and said, hey, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master's head from you today? But notice, you didn't have to be a seasoned prophet to discern the times of that moment. Because even the sons of the prophets uh, that was in a place of learning and development, they understood. They woke up that morning and they realized, hey, something's changing. And they began to hear in the spirit, hey, Elijah's going to be removed today. So they come running up to Elisha and say, we know you've walked with this guy for the last 10 years, but do you know he's been removed from you today? And he says, I know it, but hold your peace. See, Elisha knew more than what he let on to know at the beginning of chapter number two because he knew that today was the day that Elijah was going to be removed. And he said, I know it, but hold your peace. So then we find that when they get to Bethel, all of a sudden the word of the Lord comes again and he simply says, uh, uh, just stay here, Elisha, because the Lord is now calling me to Jericho. And we find that Elisha said uh, the same thing. Uh, you're going to have to, uh, gonna have to pardon me, but, but I'm not leaving you because I know that there's something about uh, to change. Uh, and therefore, he says, all right. Uh, so they walk together from the house of God, uh, and they go down uh, to Jericho. Can I tell you? He says again, I will not leave you. Now, I know this is elementary for many of us, uh, but let me tell you this morning uh, Jericho means this, his moon or his month as well as his sweet smell. Now, you got to understand, he says, I know what's going on, but we go down to Jericho and now he's met with another group of the sons of the prophets and they say the same thing. Elisha, do you know that your master is going to be taken from you today? And he says, yes, I know, but hold your peace. So we find that a generation is walking in unison with another generation uh, and they walk to the house of God together and now they walk from the house of God uh, down to the place called Jericho, uh, the sweet smelling place, uh, the place where there, it is his moon or it's his month uh, as well as uh, we find then they descend down uh, to a place called Jordan and the same thing happens there. Uh, every place is significantly different uh, but every place is equally important. So let me take you on this journey just for a moment. Uh, the time had come uh, for Elijah to pass the torch, so to speak, to a generation. Uh, remember earlier when he was in that place of great anguish in chapter number 19 of 1 Kings uh, and the Lord spoke to him. He said, I want you to go. Uh, I want you to anoint Haziel. I want you to anoint Jehu, but I want you to anoint Elisha to be a prophet in your room. Uh, he did that because he said, your season is going to come to a close, uh, but there is a generation that still needs to walk with this anointing. And therefore, for 10 years, there had been a development process that had began to take place. And now we find that the day has arrived. But however, in order for this transfer to take place, that which was needed had to be fulfilled and completed. And on this day, there was a need for both generations to walk together in a state of unity in a strategic pattern. First, they walked to the house of God. Uh, we've done that today. We're here. Uh, we find then they moved on down to Jericho, uh, the, the sweet smelling place uh, of the anointing. Can I tell you, Paul wrote this concerning uh, the sweet smelling Savior of Jesus Christ. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, uh, he says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, uh, and hath given himself uh, uh, for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Can I tell you, uh, when you're in the presence of God and the anointing of God, there is a smell of sweetness uh, that is present. Uh, for it is in Jericho uh, where the moon began to set on both generations. Uh, we interpret this uh, wrongly, in my opinion. Uh, we interpret this as the end of something. However, uh, God interprets this as the beginning of something. Uh, how do I say that, and why do I say that? Uh, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, uh, the first five verses, uh, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Uh, and God said, 
let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Now notice this, and evening and the morning were the first day. Uh, can I tell you, uh, new things happen uh, when his moon comes up, uh, and his month begins in the sweet-smelling place. Uh, everybody's saying, oh, everything's about to be over. No, uh, it wasn't the end of the thing. It was the beginning of a thing. Uh, he said, I got to get this generation and this generation to walk together uh, down to the house of God. Uh, but then I got to take them from Bethel, uh, and I got to take them to Jericho, uh, where the place where there's a new month, uh, where there's a new moon, uh, because I'm getting ready to do a new thing. Uh, and we find that when they got down to Jericho, uh, in the midst of the newness, in the midst of the sweet-smelling savor of Jesus Christ our Lord, uh, he said, now you're positioned uh, where now you can transition uh, to a place of Jordan. Uh, the name or the definition of Jordan is simply this. Uh, it is a place that flows to uh, or a place of descent. Uh, what he was saying is now that you've been to the house of God together uh, and now that you went to the sweet-smelling place of Jericho, uh, now I can transition you to Jordan uh, because that's where there's something that's going to descend. Uh, can I tell you this morning, Jordan is a place of miracles. Uh, Jordan is a place of healing. Uh, Jordan is... Excuse me, uh, Jordan is a place uh, of the supernatural manifestation of the power of God. Uh, you see, it was at Jordan uh, where Israel crossed over uh, and came into a place where they possessed the promise. Uh, it was at Jordan where Jesus was baptized uh, and the power of the Holy Ghost came down in the form of a dove uh, and sat down upon him and the heavenly voice began to say, that's my son in whom I'm well pleased. Uh, can I tell you, it's at the Jordan where things began to change uh, and take on new life. Uh, so we find, I'm trying to hurry because I know y'all want to go eat lunch, uh, but can I tell you, uh, we find ourselves uh, in a place uh, where Elijah and Elisha are standing at the Jordan River. Uh, he gets, it grabs a hold of that mantle. Uh, he smites the water. Uh, it means he hit it hard. Uh, they cross over on dry ground, and then he says, what is it that you want from me? Uh, he says, I want a double portion of your anointing. Uh, and he says, you've asked a hard thing, but nevertheless, uh, if you see me when I go, uh, he says, you can have that which you asked for. Uh, they walk a little further. Uh, they've done been to the house of God. They've done been to the sweet smelling place. Uh, and now they've been to the place of descent. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, a whirlwind comes and Elijah is taken and he doesn't see him anymore. Uh, but what remained? Uh, I'm not focused on what was this scene, uh, but what remained? Uh, all of a sudden, uh, there was something that fell down from the heavenlies. Uh, it was a mantle. Uh, he had seen it before. He had felt it before. Uh, but he had never possessed it before. Uh, and now all of a sudden, uh, we find uh, he rents his clothes in two. Uh, he's laying there. Uh, he says, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? Uh, I've asked for it. I've prayed for it. I've desired it. Uh, and now it's laying right in front of me. Uh, what am I going to do? Uh, his opportunity to possess the very thing that he desired uh, was laying in front of him. Uh, immediately he picks it up, uh, and he comes down to the banks of the Jordan River, uh, and he smites the water uh, and he says, where is the Lord God of Elijah? It was in the place of descent uh, that the power and the anointing of God uh, began to rest uh, upon Elisha. And the prophets on the other side said, surely uh, that the Lord is with him. Uh, I come with a simple message this morning uh, that you and I are looking for something new. Uh, we're looking for something fresh uh, when we need to begin to look on the ground in front of us and around us. Uh, because there is anointings that has never left. Uh, I got a list of people I can give you this morning very quickly. Uh, can I tell you, D.L. Moody's not with us anymore, uh, but his anointing's still on the earth. Uh, can I tell you, Billy Sunday's not with us anymore, uh, but his anointing is on the earth. Uh, Catherine Coleman isn't with us anymore, uh, but her mantle's still on the earth. Uh, Connie Teen Brown, uh, her anointing and her boldness is still on the earth. Uh, Lester Summerall's uh, anointing is still on the earth. Uh, you say, why is that important? Is because at 28 years old in Central America, we find that he's walking through the jungle. Lester Summerall comes across the man that is devil-possessed. He's a witch doctor. He didn't say, oh, can I counsel you? 
No, 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 no. He simply grabbed him uh, on both sides of the face and said in the name of Jesus, uh, you foul spirit, come out of him. Uh, that witch doctor in that moment was set free and delivered. Uh, and he began to preach the gospel the rest of his life. Uh, you say, oh, that's wonderful. Uh, but the story don't stop there. Uh, that night, Lester Summerall, 28 years old, uh, goes in his little, uh, little room, his little shack with a little cot. Uh, and he's laying there all of a sudden uh, in the midst of the heat of Central America. Uh, the room turns cold uh, he begins to shiver and shake uh, all of a sudden uh, there's something in the presence uh, the wind begins to blow the curtains uh, but he says this uh, I know who you are uh, I dealt with you earlier today uh, and he simply said the bed that he was laying in uh, began to shake and rock uh, and moved away from the wall uh, and he got up and he said I command you foul spirit to leave me uh, and when he did uh, everything changed uh, but then uh, it doesn't stop there. Uh, this is the anointing. This is the mantle. Uh, Lester Summerall, uh, he hollered out the window and said, hey, you devil, uh, you get back in this room. Uh, that devil come back in. And he said, when you got here, uh, he said, my cot uh, was not in the middle of the floor. It was against the wall. Now put it back. Uh, can I tell you, uh, the cot moved uh, and went to the wall. Uh, I'm telling you, there's an anointing uh, that is still on the earth. Uh, and we talk about Oh, I don't know how I'm going to get rid of a headache. I don't know how I'm going to pay a bill. Listen, your God is more concerned about you than you could ever think of this morning. Hear me. Smith Wigglesworth. Oh, he's revered. But can I tell you, there's a mantle that is still here. He walked with such an anointing that it's documented 14 or 17 people was raised from the dead in his ministry. Jonathan Edwards, John Wesley, Charles Wesley, William Branham. Listen, John Knox, Charles uh, Spurgeon, George Whitefield, C.S. Lewis, B.H. Clendenin, Billy Graham, Bailey Crosby, Mary Selson, Amy Carmichael, Phoebe Palmer. These are just a few. I started to bring a bunch of towels this morning, just throw them everywhere and tell you that you may just not know what mantle you're standing by today. But God said, there's a day of possession. It's not on our timing, not our calendar. Elisha and Elijah got up the same way they had every morning for 10 years. But all of a sudden, God says, today's the day. I need you to transfer today. There's a lot of men and women that's going on to be with the Lord. Their transfer date came. And there was a generation that was supposed to possess. But we have been so blinded by the enemy this morning that we're still walking around powerless when the mantles that we need is on the grounds all around us. Now I ask you this morning, what's keeping you from picking up the mantle that God has ordained for you to have in this season? As they come to the music this morning, Please hear me. I preach fast. I hope you listen fast. Please hear me. There is a need for men and women of faith to rise up and pick up some fallen mantles. You say, but preacher, if this was different and that was different, and then I, I, I would, no, 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 no. Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. We can't get away from that. If we're going to take the Bible and take the whole counsel, listen, he's got to be first. That means this. It's not about when it's convenient for my calendar, but it's about operating in his timing. If you continue to look futuristic and say, well, in the future, I'll, I'll be more free to do something for God. I'm going to be very bold and tell you something you don't want to hear. You will never be somebody that touches for the kingdom. Because there will always be something else to keep you from fulfilling what God has ordained for you to do. If you're not willing to do it now, you're not willing to do it. I can tell you after... Knocking on the door 23 years of pastoring. There's never a convenient time. There's, 
There's not a better day of the week than another day of the week to get a call at 3 o'clock in the morning when somebody's in trouble. There's never a better day than, see what I'm saying? There's never a better, more convenient. Listen, there's always something. There's always responsibilities. There's always things you have to navigate through. But the question is, will we become obedient or will we not? There's a world that's dying and going to hell today while we sit and try to figure it out. This is one of the most powerful things, and we don't talk about this much like we should, in my opinion. Elisha comes back to the Jordan River. He takes up that mantle, and he smites the water, and he crosses over, and there's a group of individuals from the city of Jericho. And prophets are there and say, can we go look for Elijah? He said, you don't need to go look for him. He's gone. He's not here. They said, oh, maybe he's just on top of a mountain somewhere. And they pressured him, pressured him. He said, finally, just take your group of men and go. They went and looked for three days, and they came back and said, well, you're just right. He said, well, I told you I was right. The Lord took him. He didn't go to no mountaintop. He's he, he not here no more. But then immediately the men of the city looked at Elisha and said, you saw this beautiful city, this great city. Yeah. Well, it's a wonderful place, but it's in decay. It's dying. You can read your Bible, and you'll find in the latter part of this chapter, chapter number two. He said, the waters, the water is no good. The water is contaminated. That which is flowing through it is not allowing anything to produce. But look at our lands. It's all barren. Nothing's growing. Nothing's glooming. We, we have this wonderful place, but it's, full, it's filled full of death. Elisha simply said, give me a, just, just give me a cruise. Give me some salt. And he waded out into the water, and he began to cast salt. And your Bible says that immediately the waters was made whole, and they're healed to this day. Can I tell you, at that moment in time, you couldn't drink the water of Jordan. It was destroying everything around it. Couldn't grow anything, couldn't develop anything. But you go today and you can dip your hands in the Jordan and you can drink it. You know why you can drink it? It's because the miracle working power of God isn't just for a moment, but it's just for eternity. When God touches something, He does it and He does it right. You hear me? There's vegetation, there's things growing. Why? is because a man of God was willing to pick up a mantle and he was willing to go back to the place of descent and he was willing to smite the impossible thing in front of him. Here's what I sense in my spirit today. Some of you, you've been faithful and you've went to Bethel. You've even went to Jericho to the sweet place. But you find yourself standing at the Jordan and you're focused on the Jordan more so than the God that has brought you to that Jordan. Because when you look at the Jordan, it's impassable. It's, it, 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 it represents impossibilities in your life. You see, earlier in that day, Elisha had walked across the Jordan supernaturally because of the anointing of another. But he crossed it this time because of what he possessed for himself. We celebrated my father yesterday, and I miss him. But I don't get to go have a Sunday conversation with him today because he's not coming back. My routine has greatly changed this year. Oh, how I'd love to. How, how I'd love to spend the afternoon and talk to him about the things that God's birthing in my spirit and hearing what God is saying to him. But he's not coming back. So I no longer can go forward with his anointing. I can't just come up beside him and say, God, use my daddy and pray with him, pray for me. No, 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 I can't do that no more. But there's a mantle. And as I was with some of my family this week, I was speaking to one of my brothers privately, knowing what I had been studying and ministering, the 
convicting power of the Holy Spirit gripped my heart. I began to realize that there's always more for us to grab a hold of. There's some people in my family, with not been personal, but just giving you a glimpse. There's some people in my family that's in trouble today. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, they're in trouble. I look around my family. My family's not young and full of strength anymore. They're old and they're entering into the final season of their life here on earth. It's a change for us. But I realized something. Mama's gone. Daddy's gone. Oh, they prayed every day. And I had to question myself. I pray for my family. I pray for my family daily. But I began to ask the question, and I, I was probably self-indicting myself as well as the rest of my siblings that are following Jesus today. And I said, I wonder, Lord, how, how does our intercession stack up compared to our mother and father's intercession for our family? I'm going to be transparent and honest with you today. I wouldn't want him to put that on the screen this morning. Because we're busy. You know, we got to do ministry and we got to make a living and we got to do this and we got to do that. But you know what? The generation before us, they did all those things too. But even when my father was taking his final breaths here, he was still interceding for his family. You know why? It's because he was still living under the mantle. That mantle of intercession, I'm just not sure if anybody's picked that up yet. And maybe that story resonates with you and your family. And I'd ask you the same question because I made a commitment standing in the last 24 hours. that said, Lord, I'll, if you'll help me, I'll pick up that mantle of intercession. But I ask you this morning. How about you? You see, there's, there's a generation that's plagued today with all kinds of things. Catherine Coleman moved with such an anointing of healing in her services. And if I was to ask for a show of hands today of how many in this room needs a physical touch in your body, it would be countless hands that would go up in this room. Can I tell you, somebody in this room has the ability and the opportunity to pick up that kind of mantle of healing. So why is it that we choose not to? Because God doesn't change. The anointing never leaves the earth. So this morning, fallen mantles all around us. The next preacher, is it going to make it happen? The next song, is it going to make it happen? The next revival meeting, is it going to make it happen? What's going to make it happen is when a man or woman of faith will bend down and will pick it up and say, you know what, let's go back to the place of descent and let's touch a world. As we stand all over the house this morning. Do we understand this morning that there's a world that's dying that needs Jesus? There's a world that's hurting that needs Jesus. There's a church that is starving that needs Jesus. I just want to ask this question in closing today. Is there anybody in this room? This isn't an emotional thing. This is not a 
pull on your emotions, but this is a heart. This is a heart question. Is there anybody in this room that's brave enough, bold enough, hungry enough, fed up enough, grieved enough, determined enough to pick up a mantle? How many more of our children have to be slaughtered before we say it's enough? How many more innocent life has to be lost on the streets of our city before we say it's enough? How many more family members do we have to walk by at the funeral parlor before we say it's enough? How many cold, dry services do we have to go through before we say it's enough? need everybody I just need somebody to pick up a mantle because then it becomes contagious I wonder this morning you see there was a time in Israel's history that they said oh we'll serve God and the man of God said, you've, you've testified against yourself because you, you say it with your lips, but your heart is far from him. I want to say this is the nicest way I can. But the American church is its greatest testimony against itself. We come on Sunday morning and we say, we want a move of God. We want revival but yet we won't attend a prayer meeting. We won't attend a midweek service. We won't attend a revival service. We won't attend a conference because, well, my schedule's just, listen, I've not been mean this morning. Well, I'm just tired. Well, you was tired when you went to the ball field too. You was tired when you went to the grocery store. You was tired when you went on the shopping trip. You was tired when you did all those other things. But you did them anyway. Please hear me this morning. This is, this is got to come to our understanding that we're dealing with life and death. We're not dealing with something that's fleeting. It doesn't matter. But we're dealing with eternity. It is the anointing that breaks the yokes of bondage. You and I cannot walk with the anointing unless, first of all, we make a decision to pick up the mantle. Elisha desired it and wanted it, but he had to bend down and pick it up. So this morning, if you're in this room, I know it's a little somber today, a little quiet today, not how I envisioned it. But if you're in this room and you'd say, Preacher, I'll pick it up. Whatever God has for me, I'll pick it up. Hey everyone, uh, Cameron here from PTC Ministries. I'm so glad that you could join us today uh, for the message here. Uh, I hope the message touched you uh, in a personal way and that you could take that and mold that and move it and let it move you in your life. And as you can continue your walk with Christ, continue your walk with us as well. Follow us, uh, click in the link below in the description there. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. Uh, I feel like a YouTuber here, but don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel to uh, stay connected with us. Um, and thank you for joining us.